today. So look, um, just a bit of a wrap up of what we'll be talking about today. Um, we, we obviously do our market wrap uh, and uh, talk about what's been happening in the markets. We're going to be talking about China's zero pol uh, COVID policy ending, what that means. Uh, we're going to talk more on the crypto markets, specifically uh, uh, sort of the, the woes going on with uh, the Winklevosses and DCG. There's a bit of bit of fallout this week. Um, and um, we'll uh, probably have some more talk about markets in general. So hopefully we'll yeah. kick this off and uh, should go well. Welcome everyone for another uh, Trading Insights with FXT. Uh, you've got myself, Tim Muirhead, and we have Michael Berman, the CEO of FXT on the line. How are you, Michael? How was your holiday? Yeah, I'm good, Tim. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Um, I hope you enjoyed your, your mother's birthday. I think you had a, your mother's birthday just before Christmas. That's right, 80th birthday. And you can probably oh, see the, nice. in the background, I'm currently having the floors redone in my office. So that's <laughs> a good. bit... Uh, Bit blank. The bookshelves are empty, and uh, that's Good it. Luck. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So uh, we just thought we would um, kick things off now. I know where are we? I mean, I, I think um, probably 2022 is going to go down as like one of the you know worst years for most investors. I certainly know there's been a lot of uh, funds out there that have lost uh, a vast portion of their. Uh, their capital. I mean, I've heard hedge fund stories down fifty percent. I know mm. Arcs down nearly eighty percent. You know, Kathy Woods had a pretty terrible run. We've had uh, such, you know some of the big names. Amazon's halved in value. Tesla's down, I think, over seventy percent. Um, it's been a bit of a bloodbath. And look, a lot of the traditional hedges, you know, such as bonds, didn't really perform. Gold, what's picked up in the last sort of few months, really didn't go anywhere in the whole year. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it's been quite, a, I guess, a, a brutal awakening, especially given that, you know, look, a lot of uh, people have been in the markets, probably coming to the markets after 2008. And even if you've been in, you know, for 10 years, which people might think is a long time, you really haven't seen a decent bear market play out. So I think what we're seeing is uh, probably, you know, the we're in the midst of one. I'm not going to say we're over. Over. We've probably got more uh, downside to come, although while the ride's probably going to be choppy. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of politi uh, geopolitical shocks last year, obviously the war in Ukraine. We had the yeah. largest monetary tightening um, in history. We had the biggest, uh, I think, bond sell-off uh, since uh, since I, my data goes back anyway, which is over 50 years. Um and look, now we're basically, I think we're in a situation where everyone's um, hoping or praying that the, the Fed's going to, um, you know, uh, relax their pace of uh, raising and even um, uh, go into, you know, uh, reducing rates and adding stimulus again. But uh, look, um, this morning we actually had the Fed minutes out. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty clear that um, they were focusing on inflation. One of my Twitter sources said they mentioned it was 103 times in the uh, in the meeting. Um, clearly a big focus on inf inflation. Uh, and I think the other thing which they're watching is the jobs market. Now, mm -hmm. uh, currently in, uh, unemployment's about 3.7%. This is well under, I guess, what this is a level what you'd call full employment. Um, 
And right now, there's look, there's more jobs than there are people going for them. So this puts us in this uh, wage uh, spiral situation, which doesn't uh, do well for inflation since people start getting more money. You know, they're demanding higher price or higher wages, and this sort of feeds the inflation cycle. So the Fed seems to be clearly, pretty clear they want to bring this down. And then the next part that we move on to is that there is a very high correlation between or in the US anyway, very high correlation between uh, employment and the price of the stock market, uh, which I guess is, you know, um, it's a case of, you know, as companies, the prices, their share price goes up, they take more risk, add more people and look at it, and the reverse plays out. We just had Amazon dropping 17,000 employees uh, this morning. Uh, and I think as these, you know, stocks continue to come off, they, they're going to, We'll see more unemployment, but I, I think the main or the key takeaway is that there's a real risk that, in order for the flat Fed to get the inflation down to the level that they're happy with, that uh, we they might need to sort of bring more pain to the market. And 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 just to recall, Michael, they actually used the word pain in one of their um, their FOMC presentations. They actually said we need to bring about pain and. Uh, so look, I guess you know where are we now? Well, I mean, it looks like we're getting very close to the, I guess, the terminal rate. I think we've probably got another rate rise in um, in January for the Fed. It's probably going to be you know twenty five basis points, and I think uh, we're probably going to see uh, the US really go into some some negative uh, growth in sort of by February March. I think it's probably going to be the worst time, and I think they'll uh, likely back off. But I it might be well too soon to say they um, start cutting rates. I think if anything, they're going to um, reduce the pace of quantitative tightening QT. Uh, mm. That's sort of one out. No, and no one really talks about that. Everyone sort of focuses on interest rates, not uh, Q- QT, but that's certainly one thing. But it's uh, look, it's pretty. Um, it's been pretty bleak out there. There's, uh, yeah. there's. Uh, I guess the the good the one sort of green shoot is that there are a lot of stuff that is down you know uh sort of 70 80 percent some of the stuff is coming into the value range now yeah. uh once we sort of do get through this period there's probably going to be some good opportunities for people um and look for the precious metal lovers look gold's really been performing well and i think uh, that's probably one area that we're i guess positive on uh going forward just as uh um because look the problem with uh, gold, it's meant to be an inflation hedge, but really it's affected by um, interest rates. Uh, as the rates have been really ramping up over the last year, that sort of kept a lid on gold. Now it's backing off. I think it, gold could really shine. So uh, one area, area we're focusing on. But uh, bit of a long, uh, bit of a long, long rant this morning, Michael. Maybe yeah, uh, you've got cool. some thoughts. <laughs> yeah, just uh, on the FOMC, I think one of the well, the one of the Fed minutes. The, they said they were quite emphatic that they don't see rate cuts in 2023. So um, they were very hawkish. I, I, I read quite a few excerpts from from the, the release. And I think, as you said, I think the big thing they're focusing on is jobs because the numbers over, let's say, November, December, definitely are trending lower. So they, they inflate, they anticipate and inflation is coming down, but because jobs are so full and um, there's this wage expectation built into the uh, cake, uh, baked into the cake here, that they need to be responsible 
for a little bit longer. And I use that word responsible. It's quite interesting. You said they used the word pain. It's it's like the first time I'm noticing that the Fed is really trying to drum home a message here. They, they, they're saying that the market keeps anticipating that the, they're going to cut and then the market rallies and they know that there's a little bit of froth that needs to come out of the market still, um, be it across a, a whole host of different asset classes. And um, they want to do it responsibly. They certainly don't want to go back into this hyper... They don't want hyperinflation. They don't want... And the, the, the message that they are saying is that they anticipate that it's going to be higher for longer. So it's it's unbelievable the you know markets I, I guess are always wanting to be bullish like as a there's a bias towards being bullish and always looking for um that opportunity for the market to run high and and to jump in and and yeah i th- i think i think while they once upon a time said inflation was transitory, they're now saying the opposite. They're saying not only is it is it not transitory, but it's going to be higher for longer. So I'm just seeing a more uh, uh, I'm seeing a more responsible central bank, and I actually prefer it this way. This business of all the financial engineering and all that kind of stuff, all it does it leads to malinvestment. People get ahead of themselves. They start to think that. You know, you can do you. You can grow to the moon, and um, I guess uh, we wouldn't. It wouldn't be this. It wouldn't be a show with us. We didn't mention Elon Musk, but I mean, I'm just remembering he's he he was on a mission to Mars. I, I don't know where he's holding at that at the moment on that, but he. I guess he's got more things more things to worry about with Tesla, with Twitter, and all all the rest. But I'll just because there's not a lot to show. But I'm just on my navigator. I just. Uh, it wouldn't be a, a regular show if I didn't share one or two things here. If I look week, if I sort per the week um, and the month, they're the same. We, it's the 5th today, 5th of January. Um, interesting, Hong Kong markets have rallied. Um, I can see Ether's, Ether's up for the week quite nicely, Bitcoin. Um, but on the downside, what I've noticed more, I've been noticing more on the downside is is oil. Look at Brent, WTI, and and diesel as has been down tremendously. I haven't actually looked at a chart for a while on um, on oil, but gee, okay. When I say I haven't looked, I put on a trade yesterday. I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> there's my stop there. Um, anyway, um, it's it will it'll be interesting to see. I think oil's on its way probably down a little bit further if you wanted me to take a punt on that yeah well certainly it's uh it seems to be like that that we're going into a recession and uh looks like you know the uh oil demands obviously use less with with, um, recession now what's interesting is yeah just the uh weighing that up against the you know china reopening this china basically now pulled all the stops uh and i guess we can lead into our next question which was China's COVID zero policy ended suddenly. What is the impact on global markets? Um, do you want to? Do you want to go? Yeah, I'll, first I'll just give yeah, you a, yeah. quick, a quick view on 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 that. So, um, so I, I always felt that it's inevitable they're going to go through the same thing that the rest of the world, the Western world, went through, which was very disruptive. People being ill, 
and the supply shocks and all those kind of things can't find staff to man the kiosk or the the shop front because there's everyone's sick and and that's incredibly disruptive which will put a you know put a, a dampener on economic growth no question about that um i i think also that i mean as a government i think they've mismanaged this terribly this whole process because you know they 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 were very very isolationists they they had very severe lockdowns but they didn't mobilize enough uh, on on the vaccinations and and so on and so forth and i think you know they wanted to show the world that they could live they could create this utopia of zero covid and it had its impact, no question. It, it hurt the economy. The economy slowed down, and it, and it created a lot of disruption, like socioeconomic disruption in the country. They've now gone the complete opposite. They are like it's a free fall, and I know that there's a lot of death and um, illness in the country. If I have to look for for look at the bright side, um, that. The government will kind of just manipulate the media and say it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of deaths and and all this kind of stuff. But what it will do is it will actually get them into sync with the rest of the world. Um, yes, they they're under vaccinated and that's going to have unfortunately a, a deathly consequence. But but the upside is that they're going to become part of the 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 world and we're going to get going a lot quicker but and there's a big but here i think we are going to experience for the next three to six months a severe supply shock um again which will be inflationary in my book so we're gonna you know we're going to see a slowing down economy we already seen it in china i don't think they're going to have the fiscal policies that we, we had in Australia, like with Job Create, uh, I've already forgotten all the acronyms that we used and, and and all that kind of stuff. And this massive fiscal stimulus, which actually turned into be very inflationary. So I know that they're going to have some policies which will, will help try help the man in the street. But um, my, my, my view is, is that we are actually going into a global recession because I, th I think the US is not going to go it alone. I think Europe's in in pretty much even worse shape than the US. And 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 China's suffering. Yes, I think we'll still get economic growth, but it's going to be much, much lower than what we used to. So the powerhouse of, of China coming and solving the problem for everyone um, will be a bit muted. But yeah, so I'm still bearish. I have to just add one thing to when we spoke about the market wrap and all the rest of it. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a bear, and um, but I looked at some statistics. You know, we had a down year. the The S and P was down, call it twenty percent. It was nineteen or something, twenty percent for the year. Um, Nasdaq was down a bit more, I think closer to thirty percent. But it's not often that you get two back to back. Uh, down years. In fact, I think it's only happened five times in history. The last time was in 2002, where we had back-to-back -back negative years. So I, I actually think this we're likely to have um, a negative year. I, I'm actually, uh, let me ask you, do you think we're, I, I think we'll have another, it will be one of those rare um, negative years, but I think it's actually going to set up a bull, let me not get carried away here, but I, th I think it's going to set up a great 
buying a long-term buying opportunity. So I wouldn't be rushing in to get exposure to the markets right now. But I think, you know, at some point this year, we're probably going to see a good buying opportunity. Do you have a view? Uh, look, so um, I guess a couple of things is one is that um, uh, the amount of, I guess, stimulus that they threw at us this time around, look, they, you know, they're trying to get inflation up to 2% or whatever. And then, look, they threw the kitchen sink at it. Obviously, COVID in the US um, sparked that along and, you know, inflation hit over 9%. Um, we are so far above trend, like in valuations and... Uh, you know, Buffett metrics, like the, you name a metric, like we've just shot above the the, the long, even the long-term peaks, um, that there's certainly a case to be made that, you know, stocks could come down a lot further, um, you know, in order to get back to sort of, I guess, traditional metrics, which is one. I mean, the second thing is, look, you know, right now, everyone's sort of, I guess, hoping, praying that the Fed's going to sort of back off and then start cutting rates. They keep telling us they're not. They keep telling us they're focusing on inflation. Uh, sorry, inflation, and, and we know employment's a key part of that. In order to sort of get, get inflation back to um, – back to um, um, sorry, I just got a call interrupted me. Sorry, in, in order to get the, um, you know, unemployment up to sort of, say, 5%, uh, if you just look at, you know, the, the correlation between the stock market and the um, – the, the employment rate, which are very correlated, that suggests we could definitely see lower uh, market this year. Now, um, I guess the good news is, though, that I think we're likely to going to see lower C CPI um, and, and even going negative uh, this year. Uh, probably, you know, in halfway through the year, we, we, we'll probably be in recession. And look, uh, it we know it's an election year, uh, 24. So I think we're going to give in a position where, you know, the Fed can then cut and the government's going to stimulate and, you know, we'll probably have another inflation spike, but that'll be a 2024 or post-election story. And I think uh, uh, it, it, we're likely to get a, you know, uh, get a bounce then. But look, certainly there's no, there's certainly a lot of risks out there we need to be careful of. So uh, I would say, you know, you've got to be careful right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Valuations are still high. The fact that we've come off so so far doesn't detract from the fact that we're still expensive. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, look, just um, I guess to round it up, look, um, China, look, I think opening up, I don't, I, the market really hasn't uh, responded greatly because I think, as you said, it was inevitable. People have been pricing and they've been talking about this for weeks. Uh, one of the couple of things that have happened, um, the tech stocks had a huge bounce uh, yesterday. We saw BABA and uh, Tencent really moving higher and stronger. Uh, we also had, um, they're going to allow coal imports from Australia again. That's been really helping the Aussie dollar and our local coal stocks. So um, look, I guess, uh, you know, and I mean, just travel, I think that's probably going to put a, a bit of a flaw in oil. But look, you know, we are facing, I guess, sort of this, uh, you know, slowdown, which is pressuring oil at the moment. But look how low it goes, I don't know. I mean, you know, could it get to sit in the 60s? Certainly. Uh, but uh, certainly don't think we're going to be in a position where it goes negative again like it did uh, in, yeah. in the COVID lows. But uh, um, all right, well, I guess we'll move on to the next one, which is uh, look our favorite one of our favorite topics, Michael. We always mm -hmm. like talking about crypto, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, look, 
um, everyone's aware, you know, FXT blew up. Um, but this, look, just this week we saw um, Cam, Cam, yeah, Cameron came from Winklevoss um, from, I think, Gemini or um, they lent out like $900 million to uh, DCG. I think it's digital or DC. I can't remember the acronym now. Anyway, mm. this was like um, customers would, would earn a yield like 8%. Uh, but since the um, collapse of FTX, um, uh, digital currency group are basically not uh, giving their money back. And then so we saw Winklevoss, he, um, look, this is Cameron Winklevoss, he penned an open letter and he put posted on Twitter basically saying uh, to Barry, the boss Barry Silbert, uh, can we have our money back? I think the, 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 mm. they owe them $1.67 billion. And quite surprisingly, this was yesterday, Barry Silbert said, no, we don't owe you the money. So... Uh, Look, it, it certainly seems uh, like a lot of these woes in crypto are still ongoing. Um, I was just going to say there was another um, another thing I saw today, and it was just in a court case. Let me just bring it up, Michael, if you can hold yeah. on for a, for a yeah, second. Sure. Um, sure. But what it basically what it was was that um, uh, that the Oh, I'm trying to find my notes. It's, it's sometimes can't find them so easy. Okay, I'm just going to have to go off memory. But basically what happened is um, uh, in one of these crypto collapses, a judge has ruled that um, the customer funds are actually don't belong to the customer. They belong to the, um, the I guess, the creditors, which uh, uh, really, um, I guess, shows just how risky the space is. You know, normally if you put your money into a bank um, and the bank went under, well, let's say those 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 customer funds belong to you not to the bank or yes. if uh, you know you're buying stock if you hold stock they belong to you which is a uh, quite a i guess a bit of a shocking revelation and uh, certainly we're probably at peak uh, despair in the crypto land um but look you know bitcoin it's going sideways ethereum uh you know sideways i've seen solana's just been picking up um if it can get through this, you know, can it rebuild from the ashes? Certainly, I think don't think sentiment could get much worse than where it is now. I mean, look, this is uh, pretty much at the, at the we're at the peak of the despair cycle. And look, you know, in the last sort of, if you look at the four-year cycle, we tend to get these sort of 70-80% pullbacks in the space. We go through sort of a crypto winter of a year. So look, maybe when the Fed again starts cutting rates and government's adding stimulus and there's more money, that's when uh, this crypto might uh, have another run and uh, but look certainly it's challenging times right now yeah I, I i actually saw it like real time when when cameron winklevoss put that note out i was right because he's on my list of follow uh, follow and 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 barry silbert and i saw the response in in kind but it's quite amazing how how public people are taking things like this i mean traditionally they were dealing with the lawyers. Okay, I know he's frustrated that he's not getting the response he wants. So he goes to the open, you know, to share that with everyone. It's quite interesting. I don't know how that plays out in a court of law. But but what was interesting is the, the Winklevosses were or are being sued by a number of parties themselves because um, they've had to, they, they can't return the funds that people have put with Gemini. So... Um, because that's been onward lent to earn that. I think Gemini had this thing called earn, which uh, people who were part of the exchange could lend their their crypto 
their bit, let's call it Bitcoin, they, or let's say crypto, uh, they could lend their crypto to this Genesis group and Genesis would pay them a yield, etc., etc. But now they can't get it back and there's all this uh, fighting, who, who owes what. And, and we know that Genesis got caught up in the, in the whole F, FTX drama because they, they, they had money on... They had money sitting at the exchange, 176 odd million. So that's either vanished or we'll get a, a very small piece of that back. And and so this whole interconnectedness is, has has played out. From my side, um, I've done quite a bit of soul searching. Let's have the last two weeks in terms of blockchain. Let's say blockchain as a whole, because I've been quite a fan of of the whole blockchain technology and 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 so forth, and uh, I've been looking through a number of projects that are are being used, and and I'll quote from one guy in the paper. He's head of Man, which is Man is a big hedge fund, um, UK based hedge fund, and the guy said, look, uh, he trades long short side of of the crypto market, um, no problem. But he thinks it's got zero value. He said, you know, intrinsically there's no value to any cryptocurrencies. But he's happy to speculate and make a market and and trade it. So, um, you know, the, it actually sat with me for a little while, and and then I started doing some deeper diving and thinking about it more deeply. And there are not many projects that are out there in the blockchain world that need to be on a blockchain. Or let's so. There is for let let's let me say it like this: ninety for ninety nine percent of the projects that are being done on blockchain, you could use conventional computer science and um, all and coding and all the rest of it to do the job, database structures and all that. There's a very very small percentage of those projects that need to be on a blockchain, and as I, I you know I've always speak about Cardano here and I've been part of the Cardano um, you know, community for a couple of years now. And even there, I look at some of the projects and I say, gee whiz, you guys are forcing a, a square peg into a round hole here. And does it really need this blockchain technology? So I don't want to discount the block. I think the guys, the brain power that's gone into this blockchain mm is phenomenal. Like, they are brilliant, brilliant people. And there is a use for it. Um, there, there is a use for it. And I think down the track, it will be probably a very vital part of a, a large segment of, be it Web3 or whatever it is. But but half these things, you know, for an, do you really need NFTs at the moment? And all, <laughs> And even the smart contracts that, exist yeah the concept of a smart contract is a very clever thing idea and all the rest of it but but do the bulk of the smart contracts need to be done for what they've been used no so yeah i don't know if this is the bottom and that worries me a bit i still think long term this this place this space has has a future but for a guy who was so bullish at the end of last year i'm a little bit less bullish yeah, and look, I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, this is not uncommon when, you know, when the prices wash out as they do and we're just seeing, you know, continual collapse after collapse of these, uh, you know, um, uh, I guess, trading houses, F, you know, F, 
TX uh, and, and, and the like. But, look, I guess I, I say to people, um, um, during it, it seems very similar to what happened in the dot-com boom, right? So back 20 years ago, I mean, it's probably longer than most people remember, but, look, we had this thing called the internet and we just had this explosion of internet companies and literally, like, there was a time when um, even companies on the ASX, they would they were like a mining shell company, for example, would suddenly announce they are become an internet company and they would literally go up 100 to 200% that day. And I know certain people were using that as a strategy, just watching for ASX announcements. <laughs> Someone yeah. mentioning they're, um, they're turning into uh, um, a, a, an internet company and boom, off it would go. And we look, we saw that with all these... Uh, you know, I don't want to say shit coins, but look, mm. uh, that's what they're, they're termed. Yeah. But we've had like, you know, 10,000 coins. We've had get rich quick screens. We've had people have seen Bitcoin up and people make, you know, literally generational wealth, which has probably come back now, but uh, and trying to look for the next best thing and the, the amount of scams in the space and all of this stuff's getting washed out now. And like from the ashes of the, you know, the, the dot com era, we had. You know, um, Amazon, great company, but it was down 95%. And we had yeah. others just got literally crushed to the point of, you know, people throwing in the towel. And from that, you know, build out these great companies. So, you know, I say to people, well, you know, you know, you knew it was speculative going into it. Bitcoin, if it survives, you know, will it be a thing? Sure. I mean, I think you just take the top three, Ethereum, maybe Solana. I Look, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't want to go past that just because I don't know them so well. Yeah. Do they have a future? I mean, it's possible. But look, you know, there is always risk that the government's shut them down. China's, you know, banned it. There's other countries that are doing the same. Um, you know, it's 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 always a way. But you know, a lot of I've heard a lot of people say it's a, a problem looking for a solution. You know, or yeah, so, yeah. But I think um, your analogy is a great one there with uh, the dot com era. It's actually. There's so because it was like a, a complete mind shift. It was like a, a, a it was it was a whole new way of behaving and doing business and 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 conducting one's life from texting and all all this kind of stuff with messaging. I should say, yeah, yeah, so. that, yeah that's right. So I I just misspoke. Then I should have said it's a solution looking for a problem, not the other way around. Uh, apologies there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, um, look, I mean, and look, I guess too, we've not only with crypto, we've seen the rise of NFTs. Honestly, I just didn't get them. You know, all this uh, people generating ten thousand apes and selling them. Um, yeah. A lot of this Web three stuff coming out, I still really don't get that as well. Uh, a lot of the move to virtual reality. I mean, look, virtual reality is great, but I think people have said that, you know, do you really want to wear a screen two inches from your eyes all day? Yes. Uh, yeah. You probably grew up in the era, Michael, where they said, you know, stop looking at the screen all day or you get square eyes and now they're expecting you to keep one on your head for <laughs> 10 hours a day. Yeah, um, exactly. Just sort of getting overplayed. So, I mean, you know, from this, I'm sure uh, uh, some things will survive. I guess, yeah, I was just going to say one of the most compelling, uh, I guess, use cases for crypto I've seen, and there's probably others, was just the micro payments. And just briefly, that's, um, look, if you want to, um, let's say you're a, uh, you know, news organisations, right? Um, you've got many, many Wall Street Journal, you know, you can Sydney Morning Herald locally, 
Um, a lot of people don't want to pay for um, a subscription all the time, but they want to read articles. Now, if you could charge them a small amount for an article, uh, maybe that's a model that'll work. And like, what about if you wanted to uh, pay people fractions of a cent? Well, you sort of can't really do that right now, but that's where crypto has a bit of a use case. Mm. And uh, maybe emailing, you know, emails cost a small amount to send, starting to reduce spam. It just stops people spending out now 100,000 emails because then there's an associated cost. Uh, I mean, look, I'm sure there's going to be others. So, mm. uh, and, and like you said, the amount of, I guess, brain power that's gone into this, I think it would be a pretty amazing if it did end up as just a, a technological dead end and it all goes to zero. So, um, you know, I remain, I guess, remain hopeful that uh, something will come out of it. <laughs> but you never know, right? This is uh, exactly. this is markets. So okay. anyway, anyway, Michael, I just realised we're running over time. Yep. I know yep. you've got another interview coming up, so I'm yep. going to have to wrap it up there. So uh, yep. thank you, everyone, for our four, first podcast of 23. It's the 5th of December. Uh, January. Fifth of January. Oh, fifth of, sorry, January. <laughs> You're living in just, the past. <laughs> just just back from holiday, sorry. Okay. I had a, I, I had an early morning with the FOMC uh, meeting. I sometimes, you know. Got uh, it. Okay. All right. Thanks Take very much, Michael. Take care. Take care. Cheers. All the best. Thanks, guys. See Thanks you. for watching. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. We're going to try something new here with Trading Insights with FXT. We're going to speak to somebody in the industry um, who might come at the industry from a slightly different angle and we're going to see how things go in 2023. Hopefully I will be doing a lot more of these podcasts, interviewing different people and hopefully we can extract some knowledge and together everyone can learn something. So today I'm joined with Noah Healy from the US. Now I have no, I'm here sitting in Sydney. The time is one o'clock on Thursday, Thursday, uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. And no, where about are you and what's the time by where you are? So I'm a couple hours out of Washington, D.C., uh, and it's nine o'clock in the evening on Wednesday here. <laughs> wow. So there's a little bit of time traveling taking place here. We, we merge in two different days into one. If you don't mind just sharing with us a little bit about your background today. What's what's your day-to-day -day job today? And uh, yeah, certainly. So uh, my name is Noah Healy. Uh, I'm a computational mathematician, and I'm working on a patent on a brand new design for price discovery for marketplaces, mm -hmm. um, a system that's more algorithmically efficient than the kind of double-sided call auction that typifies most existing markets. Um, my interest is primarily in computing systems and information exchange and making those things as efficient and accurate as possible. Uh, and marketplaces, while they have been traditionally a sort of way for human beings to come together, are ultimately an information technology. And so the development of computers and the internet uh, have, have really changed the structure of how markets work and what is possible to make them work. Can I ask you just how long ago did you start working on this particular problem? Um... It's been about 
eight years. The patent process goes back about six years at this point. Um, oh, okay. But but I'm intrigued just to ask you, um, do, does it take emotion into account, like the your 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 price discovery? Because let's say it like this: is that if I want to buy something, I will have a particular view about the future, and that future view will inform my valuation of on price and of what I'm prepared to pay for it. And the seller will maybe have a, a different view or a similar view. And um, and somewhere along the way, we will find uh, a happy medium. Um, what, 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 would it, what would the... So my system actually separates that into two separate pieces. Um, it separates the exchange of good for cash or or cash for cash in case of foreign exchange um, and that sentiment that you're talking about. And so it creates a forecasting prediction negotiation marketplace for people to just the price, not for themselves, but for the entire market and integrates the sentiments of people from all areas of the marketplace together to create um, sort of bright pools rather than dark pools. This has these have pre-advertisable uh, prices attached to them that then supply and demand can come into at prices that have already been negotiated um, if they wish to participate. So the market challenge becomes presenting people with a present and future map of prices which attracts them to making deals that occur mm-hmm. at extremely low spreads okay. and without moving the marketplace. Okay. Uh, so you you would have no doubt your your system ta- would take into account the fact that uh, a small binds like a small transaction shouldn't dictate the the price well what i'm trying to say is that obviously you have the system where a small a small trade could manipulate the price everyone could think that the price is worth 100 because that's where it traded but but it might have traded with a thousand dollars worth of volume whereas if if it traded with a million dollars of volume at 80 you'd feel a lot more secure with that price of 80 than you would with the one at 100 and i'm i'm yes. assuming your system takes those kind of features into account. Yes. My system essentially reverses that incentive. And so effectively what happens is prices are proposed and attempt to attract that volume to them. And the more volume that they can attract, the more the proposers of those prices earn for having proposed these correct prices. So if somebody is making a deceptive move, then effectively mm-hmm. they're their deception will attract very little interest and Mm -hmm. in consequence wind up costing them money on that investment. Whereas people who are making more mainstream dependable types of assessments uh, will, will be able to skim off from a much richer and deeper market. Okay. So, I mean, if you don't mind me, like let's say swinging this conversation into a more macro which is also at the end of the day price discovery. So um, we we've had the central banks of the world 
introduced this concept of quantitative easing, um, essentially where money printing was used to finance. Obviously, the the more libertarian free marketeers, pretty much like myself, would, would be saying that you know th- this would have caused a distortion in the price discovery of what what interest rates should be, and you know. You know, once based on interest rates, everything else then follows from there. So, I'm just interested to hear your take on what did you think of the the central banks, the Fed in particular, and your overall view. And what is your view now that there seems to be quantitative tightening, or or there's a pullback in in the amount of printing? I'm just interested to hear your macro views on central banking. Uh, certainly. Well, the basic issue I see is that they're between a rock and a hard place. Um, the fundamental macro difficulty that in particular is, is facing the Fed um, is that the boomers simply actually save for retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so without inflation up asset prices, uh, this becomes abundantly obvious to everybody. And the the primary political block of U.S. legitimacy uh, basically decides that they hate the government. So mm-hmm. that's not a place that anybody actually wants to go to. And so mm-hmm. they're they're effectively stuck with attempting to maintain the lie that what didn't happen did happen. Um, the difficulty is that the inflation that they've been pumping into the system for decades uh, is now having an effect on the lifestyles of people as it's bled out of the asset classes and into actual cost of living types of adjustments, mm-hmm. uh, um, which was basically inevitable. Uh, and so they need to back the inflation for effectively same reason they needed to pump it up in the first place um, so that people who are at or near or in fact have repaired um, will not en masse be exposed to the the credit card stopping working. Um, Mm -hmm. And outside of a fairly significant increase in human wealth, um, there isn't the amount of wealth to go around that present retirees and near future retirees Mm -hmm. believe exists and have Mm -hmm. built their lifestyles around. Um, Now, there's a fundamental difference between the sorts of unrest that are caused by people losing access to food and the sorts of unrest that are result from people losing access to their beach houses. Um, So I don't know that it's as big an emergency as we're treating it as, Um, Mm -hmm. but that, that seems to be, to be the thing. And so the problem is that they both both need inflation to continue so that asset prices maintain their stratospheric and frankly Mm -hmm. false nature and they need inflation to get cut off so that um, people's day-to-day grocery trips don't don't scare them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, just interested to hear your views on crypto. Did you did you buy in at any stage? Did you you know explore it 
any any particular thoughts? So I am working with a few projects that are on Doe that are trying to get set up. Um, mm -hmm. I myself have a fairly high bar for getting involved in those things. And in particular, I feel that, particularly from my research, currency is a cultural product rather than some dependent physical thing. Uh, and I've, I, in my opinion, existing Doe projects have not actually addressed the cultural and political requirements of currencies and consequently can't be considered anything other than a greater full play, uh, which mm -hmm. I'm personally uncomfortable with engaging in. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And I guess just um, based on, you know, your understanding of the world, your reading, your interests, etc. I wanted to ask you if you, you might leave our, our listeners, our viewers with what do you think is going to be, let's say, the new, the big trend for 2023? I know I'm asking you to look into your crystal ball, but uh, just interested to, do you have any big views on where we're going, be it technology, be it, be it anything? I just, want to know if you if you've got a big macro theme that you see playing out over the next you know year to uh year yeah, absolutely uh i would say the thing to look for is institutional destabilization um mm -hmm. in particular markets because that's my major focus uh mm -hmm. but i think we'll see this uh politically and culturally as well uh the amount of data that is being produced and pumped out by the internet and modern computers is literally unprecedented. And the systems that we've developed for interacting with each other as people uh, have never had to stand up to these things. And when you mm -hmm. analyze these, these data flows from a computational perspective, it becomes quite clear that most human institutions, including marketplaces, um, are don't have a good scaling factor under those types of situations. So things like the recent shutdown of the nickel market, um, other quite frequent market destabilizations, mm -hmm. I would expect those to become more severe and more frequent um, for pretty much the indefinite future. Interesting. Interesting. So um, the mechanism that you have in mind, obviously, you well, I mean, you said it in the beginning that it's a it's a better process by many X factors of or, or, um, to avoid those kind of nickel breakdowns that we, I guess we had it with the oil two three years ago where oil pricing went negative, uh, which was kind of unheard of. Um, yeah, kind of yeah, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of thing. Um, you know, if you only had a time machine, um, yeah, you know, uh, speculating on on the German mark during the Weimar Republic, uh, but then an even better deal. Uh, what if you could get paid to receive oil? <laughs> uh, I think we're going to leave it over here right now. Um, in terms of this is pretty much, you know, our first look and and understanding of something that's a little bit outside our world. We will we'll put um, on the show notes your contact details. We'll get them from that's you. That's fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, so anyone who finds this interesting and would like to know a little bit more can be in touch with you. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having me here.